Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game of me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, we haven't got time for our usual small talk before the show, you know, the, the stuff that really annoys our listeners and BAFTA, um, as you've got a meeting to get to. We've got quite a lot of news stories to do, so we yeah, so we have to um, we have to crack on, which um, might be the shape of things to come, Kieran. Who knows? Um, we won't be mentioning we won't be mentioning Oxford because that got us into trouble last yeah. time because there's a, a different stories about the timeline of the Oxford the Oxford United story. So we may we may revisit that depending on how many more angry tweets we get from two people in particular. I, I, I've been contacted by the chief executive of Oxford who wants a chat. Oh dear, that doesn't sound good, does it? <laughs> that is a naughty step, isn't it? Actually, well, actually, do you know any other club? He was said the chief executive of Mansfield. You think, oh my god, the chief executive of Oxford probably wants to recommend a nice little coffee bar somewhere. I imagine <laughs> a queue working class Oxford supporters going. It's quite rough out here, you know, which is true. It is. We've all been to the old, <laughs> yeah, the old manor ground. It's a bit like the Wild West, the old place. Anyway, already, Kieran, we've said no small talk, and we've straight into small talk. Uh, our first story, Kieran, it's it's Newsday. I'm not entirely sure whether this story about 777 is good news or bad news for Everton fans, considering what we know about the way 777 have worked in the past. Yes, it's good in the sense that Everton need cash and they need cash urgently. Now, as far as the sources of that cash are concerned, we've got the owner, Farhad Mashiri, who appears to have done a disappearing act and is is not being seen. He, he has been very generous, uh, or rather his bank account has been very generous, where his money gets into his bank account is another matter from. But he's been very generous historically. Um, but there's no doubt that 777 have been putting money into Everton in recent months. And it now it looks as if they put in a further £40 million, pounds, taking the total, and this is an unsecured loan by the looks of it, to £150 million. Pounds. Um, they clearly want to get approval. There are stories doing the rounds that they've been given approval by the Financial Conduct Authority, which is a sort of government regulator. Um, but there's still no white smoke coming out of Premier League towers with regards to, I think, the, the key issues as far as 777 are concerned is, A, 
where have you got that money from? And B, how do you propose to fund the club over the course of the next two years? Um, and that should be relatively straightforward, you know, if, if you've got good sources of funds. So that, that has been dragging on. Now, 777 have been telling people publicly that they expect to have approval from the Premier League over the course of the next week, which is fantastic. Um, privately, if the reports in Josimar, and, and Josimar is a Norwegian um, publication, if the, if the publication is correct, um, then things aren't looking as good. Um, and if the Premier League say no, where does that leave 777? And where does that leave um, Everton Football Club? There's also talk of another US-based consortium being interested in buying the club one was apparently put off uh, before Christmas, given the extent of the club's debts. Uh, if the reports are correct, the total debts of Everton are in the region of a billion pounds. Um, and the new owners or the new prospective owners alternative to 777 aren't uh, keen on getting involved with the club under those circumstances. It could be that the... Uh, some of the lenders will have to take a haircut. And by a haircut, that means um, what a haircut means in financial terms is that if you've lent somebody a million pounds, you might have to accept that you're going to get 80% of it back. And when we saw this, I think most famously, in respect of Cyprus when the financial crash occurred in 2008. And there were many um, Russian banks and Russian citizens, because Cyprus has a very uh, cosy relationship with Russia, who had to accept they're going to lose 5% of, of the money they'd put in, um, into, into Cypriot banks and so on. So, so that's where we are. Um, looking at 777, they do specialise in what we would refer to as distressed football clubs, with the view that they've got the skills that can turn them round. Um, but if we take a look at some of the other investments, we've got Hertha in Germany. That has, according to the reports, has got 136 million euros funding gap, which 777 say, we'll, we'll plug that one. And then Standard Liège losing a fortune and Genoa not doing very well financially either. So it doesn't appear to have done particularly well with regards to its continental investments. Um, and then we've got the issue with Everton. And of course, why does Everton need £40 million? Well, it needs it to pay the wages and it needs it to, to fund the, the, the construction of the stadium. So it's very messy and... Uh, you know, further further cause for concern, even though you know results on the pitch have have certainly uh, been better overall um, since since the ten point deduction. Ironically, uh, and Everton have picked up a bit. Um, all, all. So so that's that's where we stand. Not not a great position to be in, but it's not a disaster either. What's worrying me, Kieran, is that I've asked you these two questions twice before. 
Uh, and the, the the first question is, why is it taking so long for the Premier League to approve the takeover? And the second question is, is this additional money? And I think this is the third time they've put in additional money. Is this a way of 777 saying to Premier League, if you don't approve this, Everton are going to owe us a lot of money and that's going to put them into administration? Well, let's let's take those questions in turn. Why so long is simply because 777 haven't managed to convince the Premier League, who are doing a, a very thorough and very forensic investigation into the state of the finances, um, that they can tick those boxes. With, with yeah, There are two tests to, to satisfy, owners and directors test. A, do you have any outstanding convictions? And we've all had a bit of a jolly, yeah, 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 you know, yeah, historically, yeah. With, a, with a few japes with regards to things. We should go back 20 years. So, so let's, let's just knock those on the head. Secondly, can you prove where the money's come from and prove that you've got the money going forwards? And I think that is, is proving to be a sticking point. Um, what the Premier League doesn't want to do is to say, yes, let's go ahead with this deal. And then in three months time for things to go wrong because that will mean that the likelihood of the Premier League's um, attempt to dilute and to uh, to oppose the independent regulator would look very weak. So it, it can't be seen to approve things and things go wrong. It, it would like, if possible, to delay this as long as possible to bring it into the in-tray of the regulator because then there's a get-out-of-jail-free card. Um, is there a danger of 777 putting some form of financial blackmail um, into the hands of the Premier League? Yeah, that's that, those are... Yeah, those are inflammatory words that I've just said. Um, but certainly from speaking to, to Everton fans that I know, it, it, it's a concern of them because these are unsecured loans. Um, it does, of course, mean that if it's an unsecured loan, there is a queue of people that are owed money by Everton Football Club and 777 are by far from the front of that queue. Um, it wouldn't be in 777's interests to have the club put into administration because as we saw with the last club that went into administration which was Derby County um, unsecured creditors only got 25% of what was owed to them so you know, for 777 to lose 75% of what's owed to them um, would be pretty catastrophic for them and I think it will be also it will be a, a down tools as far as the stadium is concerned and the stadium is a way for Everton to to generate more money going forward. So I think it's now looking at you know twenty twenty five twenty six from when it it's hoping to open. Just one last thing here on on the Premier League's forensic examination of seven seven sevens finances, and um, it's not an expression I like, um, but this is not an attempt to blow smoke up your bottom. Although I believe one of the clubs that you once ran. Uh, when it was going into administration, was uh, that was a service that was available? I understand, but I went to see, <laughs> I went to see Bobby Numbers yesterday, my accountant. It was a um, surprisingly relaxed affair because I've paid so much <clears throat> tax in instalments recently. They we're, we're almost up to date, but and and as is quite often the case, his, his next client was delayed for half an hour because we were talking about football, and the subject of seven 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 came up. Bobby's a, a big football fan. Bobby said, essentially, the, the Premier League could get on the phone to you and within 20 minutes, you could give the Premier League 
a fair idea of the state of 777's finances. So you do wonder, and Bobby's an accountant as well, so he knows these things, you do wonder why, to what forensic level the Premier League are going, that it is taking this long, Kevin, because it's it's now it's now months. This is again, this is like Man United. This was mm. a takeover that was meant to be done and dusted within within two weeks, and there's, it's now taking. And you can't help but, as every day goes by, you can't help but think either they're they're they're, they're delaying this forensic examination, or it's going so deep. And if it's going so deep, you wonder what what they found to keep this delay going. Yeah, I mean. It, it would take me, it take anybody a considerable amount of time, I suspect. Um, and also, the Premier League are very wary, having seen what happened with Derby County and Chris Kirchner. Chris Kirchner did provide evidence to the, the EFL, and I appreciate it's a different governing body, uh, did provide evidence to the EFL that he had proof of funds. He also provided that to um, some pretty big hitting. Uh, banks as well. And it turned out that you know, anybody with a glorified form of Photoshop can can make things look a lot better than they are. So I think the, the Premier League is, is right to be wary. And it is actually, you know, I, I will criticise the Premier League at times um, for a lack of transparency in relation to, to certain issues. But on this one, I, I think it is acting in, in the best interests of the club and in the best interest of Everton football fans. Um, so the, the degree of forensic is simply a case of saying to 777, we need somebody to sign off on this. And that's either going to be a senior firm of auditors um, who, who should be able to access. We want access to your, your in real time to your bank transactions um, to see where money is is being transferred from and so on. And 777 are either not providing sufficient evidence with regard to that or, or refusing. So it, it's not a great position for them to be in. Um, and it, it's frustrating because, you know, as, as we've spoken on many occasions with regard to Manchester United, t- time is... You know, the Glazers and Jim Ratcliffe is, is, is a is a separate issue. It's getting rid of hopeless owners and hopefully replacing them with better owners. Um, in the case of Everton, it's it, it's a need, Marcio. The, the club is is in financial challenging position. Mm. Uh, our next story, Kieran, it takes us to Stoke City. And given how wealthy their owners are, this story is a little bit of a surprise. Yes. Um, Bet365 published their accounts a couple of days ago and um in between the uh the intriguing stuff along the lines of uh you know denise coates is the the highest paid executive year in year out and what she has done in terms of progressing bet365 has been pretty pretty amazing she's she's earning more than 200 million pounds a year and picking up at the thick end of you know, the rest of £100 million a year in dividends and so on. And also Bet365 give £100 million a year to charity, which is yeah, which is great, you know, both on a on a local level, uh, on a UK level and on an international level. So it, it does do that. Um, Stoke City are still losing a lot of money. 
Um, so it was it was only around about twelve million quid. And, and, and I say, and, and we, we throw these numbers about because I think we have become inoculated. Um, yeah, that's that, that's a hell of a lot of money here for a, for an organisation which was only generates twenty million a year. Um, but you know, the great thing from from Stokes' point of view is that you know, we've we've just had to use the A word, the administration word. Is, is it a possible issue with Everton? I think it's possible, but remote. My personal view. Um, Bet three six fives uh, close relationship with Stoke City means that there's there's a negligible chance. Um, so so Stoke are losing um, twelve million pounds in a year. Um, to put that into context, um, I went into Bet365's accounts in a bit of detail. There's there's certain things which they don't show, but which I can uh, back out from historic information. Um, Bet365 generate £129,000 a minute what? in bets. Wow. Yeah. A hun- so... In order for them to um, cover Stoke City's losses, you know, we are talking, uh, you know, it, it's, it's sorted very, very quickly. Um, it's a very successful organisation. Um, and people say, is that coming all from the UK? It's not. You know, it, it now does have um, uh, over, overseas, in, uh, overseas punters as well. And, and it is spectacularly successful. Uh, but you know, one hundred and twenty-nine thousand pounds a minute in in wages being placed, and, and that's why you know it. You see the adverts and the marketing campaigns practically non-stop because it's got a um, it, it's it's got a three hundred and sixty-five day a year, twenty-four hour a day operation, and and that really contrasts with with the football club um, in the sense of you know as we know football. We, we say this time in time out. Football clubs generate money. 25 days a year and you know Stoke are out of the cups now so you know their, their focus is is going to be on uh, on on the championship and, and they've since being relegated they've they've not really got close I think they've they've disappointed uh, the, the the regular fans in terms of their league positions <clears throat> in the in the absence of uh, a palace game on Saturday I switched my allegiances to Stoke you won't be surprised to <laughs> and for, for 30 glorious minutes, I was a very happy boy. Uh, this is an unlikely scenario, Kieran, because um, Stoke City are, are not exactly ailing. I mean, these, these results are not brilliant. But sh- should they reach a stage where the football club was in danger of administration, there's, there's nothing technically. There's no FFP rules or no, there's, no, there's no EFL regulations to prevent Bet365 bailing them out, is there? There's no, there's no reason why Bet365 couldn't give them a you know, 15, 20 million pound loan or gift or donation, or is there? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Bet365 Bet have lent Stoke City, you know, tens and tens of millions, in fact, hundreds of millions. Um, and also, um, they were persuaded to pay an awful lot of money for the stadium. Um, a week before the EFL changed the rules, which allowed clubs to sell stadiums to owners and, and book those profits for, for FFP purposes, which I'm sure was just an amazing coincidence. Of course. Um, and uh, whoever negotiated on behalf of Stoke um, did a really good job. They managed to get a, extract a really good price from the buyer of the Bet365 Stadium, uh, Bet365 Group Limited. It. it- 
it was an amazing coincidence, Kieran. But I think even Charles Dickens, who loved a coincidence, most of Charles Dickens' plot lines are based on coincidence. I think even he might have gone. Oh, I'm not entirely sure the public will buy this one as a coincidence, but never mind. Let's let's go with it. Chapter eleven, they buy the ground. Uh, this next story, Kieran, is uh, good news. It seems. So I don't know what it's doing here, but it's um it's about Walsall, so it's it's here. So we need to discuss it. Yes. Um, well, Walsall is. Not, not a club that we talk about often, no, which no, which no. Is, is is good news, um, but they've they've broken even. You know they've they've been in League Two, um, but th- there is some good news surrounding the club. New owners have come in, and um, the, the the best Scott Stadium, um, which which I have been to on quite uh, quite many an occasion, and seen some some great mem- I do have some great memories of Walsall as well. Um, their their former owner, a guy called I think it was Jeff Bonser or Jeff Bosner. Uh, I'm, I'm mixing him up now with Bonzer Airways, um, <laughs> and I was contacted by Bonzer Airways the other the other day, which which is a completely separate issue. Really? Um, have, they, have they found they, well, fa- they found your luggage? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, uh, <laughs> judging from the uh, the TripAdvisor reports I've seen of, oh, right. of Bonzer Airways, um, but the. The former owner, uh, Jeff Bosner, uh, he uh, he had managed to transfer the stadium to his pension fund and was then charging the football club a lot of rent, um, which his pension fund is entitled to do. Um, a cynic, and, and, and this isn't a cynical show, okay? This is not a cynical. A cynic would say, hmm, that's that's." seems to be an awful lot of rent for a relatively small stadium. Um, but we now have new owners have come in. They have acquired the freehold of the stadium. Um, and what is most noticeable is that uh, Warsaw Football Club generates most of its income from commercial means. Uh, the The money that comes from ticket sales is, is only a small fraction. Um, and it has been pointed out to me on social media Um if anybody that's driven down the M6 motorway, um, and the chances are they're not driving very fast uh, <laughs> as they go past Walsall because it is uh, it, it is a bit of a uh, a traffic jam area. Um, there's this enormous set of advertising hoardings outside the stadium, which are right in your eye line, and the uh, the fact that the, these people are saying we, we we are convinced that this is the biggest single earner for uh, Walsall Football Club, and it. Probably not the case, but uh, but fair play to the club. It, it's uh, you know the marketing department, the advertising department have have monetized the club, and they're monetizing the club three hundred and sixty five days a year, which is which is something to be applauded. It's like when um, Brentford at the old ground had KLM painted on top of the the stand, right over the flight path. I, I don't know. There must be some kind of ratio for the amount of times you've passed a ground compared to the amount of times you've been in it. Because Walsall is one of the few grounds I've not ever been to, but I must have driven past it. I'm, I'm, well, not me, of course. I can't drive. But, you know, some some lucky person would have been uh, <laughs> having the benefit of my company while we, drove, while we were stuck in a traffic jam. Um, <laughs> we're not a cynical show, Kim, but I'm, I am wondering why Bonza Airlines have been in touch with you rather than me. I think they've probably listened to they've probably listened to the show and thought well, one of these people is far more likely to be able to afford an economy ticket to Melbourne than the other, so let's offer him a, a, a cheaper price. 
This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by Football 360 Pro Series, an online course in football business and finance which features our very own Kieran Maguire. If you want to develop serious knowledge within football business and finance, grow your network in the football industry, or you just need more than your usual two hours of Kieran every week, Football 360 Pro Series might be the solution for you this new year. The eight-week course, which starts next week on January the 17th, will feature a small class size, a combination of on-demand lessons, and weekly industry expert-led workshops. The lineup of industry experts consists of former Premier League chief executives, football agents, the general secretary of the newly formed Union of European Clubs, financial analysts with experience at clubs such as Aston Villa, Leicester, Fulham, Manchester City, Millwall and Barcelona. You don't get those mentioned together too often, do you? And me! You'll learn everything from club financial statements to accounting for player transactions, navigating spending restrictions, and conducting your own financial analysis. The word amortisation might also appear. Oh, and what's even better is that there is a special discount for our Price of Football listeners. Use the code POFEARLYBIRD, all in capital letters. That's POFEARLYBIRD, all in capital letters to get 25% off the course fees. For more information, just go to football360.online and select Pro Series. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Another club, Kieran, we've—I I don't think we've ever mentioned before, to be honest—is is Taunton Town. Uh, but unfortunately, such is the nature of this pod that the first time we mention the club, it tends to be in the context of bad news, and it seems to be this is the case here. Yes, um, Taunton Town are in the National League South. They are nicknamed the Peacocks, which yeah. instantly means that we we like them because we both we both like a bird related uh, nickname for a club, um, and between Christmas and New Year, I think it was or early in the New Year. Um, the players posted on social media that uh, promises had been broken, um, that there were issues with regards to their relationship 
with the, the owners of the club, the board of the club. Seven players have departed. Um, so clearly there are issues. Now the, the board of directors have responded to say, yeah, we, we've got cash flow issues. Um, the, the manager is saying, I've got a pretty weak budget by the standards of the National League South. And, and the majority of clubs in, in National League South are, are part-time. There's far more full-time clubs in National League North. Um, but there, there is a rift. Um, so, you know, is the existence of the club uh, to be called into question? I, I don't think we're at that stage yet. But equally, I think they are in quite a, uh, a challenging position. And, you know, we've always said it doesn't matter which division you're in. Ultimately, we're all bricks in the same wall. And, and you know, without sounding clue, too cliched, if you take one brick out, it weakens the wall as a whole. Um, now, I'm sure the hedge funds and the private equity organisations that are looking to, to invest in Premier League clubs and clubs in continental Europe aren't in the least bothered about Taunton Town. But for their fans, they are. Yeah, it, it is that that focal point. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's now a club that's on my watch list, and uh, um, I'm uh, I'm getting daily updates from the the Somerset Gazette um, about uh, yeah about how things are developing. So it's it's a case of keeping your fingers crossed. Indeed, we never quite got to the bottom of why so many um, non-league northern teams are full time compared to uh, non-league southern teams. Does it complicate things? And I'm aware this might be a question you need to ask an employment lawyer, Kieran, but does it complicate things when players are, are part-time in this in this sort of situation? Because hopefully they will have other jobs potentially that they could go to, so they'll be less bothered by the you know, their, their football club not paying them. I don't... I mean, I, obviously, I, I, having said that we're short of time at the start, maybe this is something we should investigate... Um, for another day, but uh, let's put that question out there, Kieran, and see if perhaps if only we knew somebody who was a director of another team in National League South, who might be able to help us. Well, perhaps if the secret National League South director could get in contact with us, um, and I'm sure he will, um, we'll be able to answer this on the next show. What? He's not that much of a secret, Kieran, is he? Considering he retweets <laughs> most, most of the stuff that we do. But if he, if, if he could get in touch, or well, I'll see him in the pub before the next Palace game, hopefully. Um, yes. A number of a number of teams, Kieran, of of various sizes, have issued new shares in the last few days. Yes, and and the reason for this is, um, and it's very much a case of um, scale. Um, in January, j- just like uh, just like things on a personal level, you know, um, I'm I'm an employee of an institution which pays me a week early in December, um, and I think many uh, many people do that, which which is great. Um, it's it's great until January arrives, and then <laughs> then you've got problems. So what we've seen is uh, Chelsea have been given £140 million um, from shareholders. And I think we have to assume that um, that this is from uh, Clear Lake Capital and Todd Bowley and, and his cronies and so on. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's a huge sum of money. Now, the reaction of Chelsea fans on social media 
when somebody put this out on Twitter, um, was that's great. You know, we, we know that Mbappe could potentially sign a pre-contract in January and the club's been linked with other purchases. Um, I, I, I don't want to um, uh, pour liquid on their chips, but um, <laughs> I'm not convinced that that would be the case. And, and the reason for this is... I think many football fans fall into the trap of when they see money coming into the club, they assume that it can instantly be paid and they ignore the fact that the club already has significant debts. If we go back 12 months uh, in respect of Chelsea, they they signed Enzo Fernandez, which at the time was for a record fee. They signed uh, Mudrik from... Shakhtar Donetsk, my knowledge of transfers isn't great, for about another £80 million, and they made a couple of other transfers. And one thing that we have learned is that transfers are very much being paid in instalments these days, and those instalments tend to be on the anniversary of when the player was signed. So Chelsea are going to have to find tens and tens of millions of pounds in January. We've also said on regular occasions that... um, Clubs don't actually make a lot of money from ticket sales sort of during during the regular season. And part of the reason for that is that they've got the majority of the money coming from season ticket holders who pay the money up front. And then if you think about what's happening in January, we've got the winter break. So clubs do have a bit of a gap between matches, which is good for player in players in terms of their physical development. Um, it the accountants, the finance directors aren't happy about it because it puts another week between when money is coming into the club. So so that uh, is, is the issue at Chelsea. Yes, it's good that the money's come in. Don't build up your hopes that money's going to be spent. Um, we've also seen uh, at Bournemouth a, a substantial amount of money, but we're talking, I think it's, I think it's 10 or 11 million pounds gone into the club. I suspect that is for infrastructure projects the the new owners I think it's at bill foley is his name um he's from texas um yeah i've, I've been to bournemouth stadium at, and it's perfect meet, meets the needs but but it is too small you know bournemouth could easily have double the size of the stadium and and sell every ticket as, as a premier league club uh, yeah, it's only it's only got a capacity of eleven thousand. so is this going to be used as sort of a down payment for new grounds? Is it going to be used for development of the existing ground? We'll have to wait to see. And thirdly, um, Kilmarnock, which um, they've, they've got £400,000 and they've got owners who are trying to, to, you know, Kilmarnock, I think they're currently about fourth or fifth in the Scottish Premiership. They want to play in Europe next season. So it's it's money which is coming in from owners. And the good news, it's not in the form of loans. Uh, going back to our first story, 777, they can't put money into the club in the form of shares because that would be in breach of the owners and directors test. So therefore, they're putting it in the form of loans. Um, here, at least we've got existing owners who are being um, pretty pretty generous to the clubs. It's, it's a real double-edged sword, that getting paid 10 days before Christmas, isn't it? Because the money comes in and you think, right, Ali, for upgrade that turkey. We're going straight for a Norfolk bronze. And then Ali says, but there's, there's six weeks between Christmas and the next payday, you know. Forget that six weeks. Just get get more candles. <laughs> get, a, get a six-foot Christmas tree, more candles. We'll let the, the January can look after itself. And then suddenly you find yourself in January. Again, I really regret that bigger tree now. 
And yes, that Norfolk. I, I thought you were going to say four candles there, and we have to go into <laughs> a completely different dimension. <clears throat> I, I I love a candle. I always have a candle display at Christmas, but I make sure there are five candles because. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so many times people can come around the house and they start, you can see them counting the candles. You go, oh, God, I wish I'd put, wish I'd put five candles out. Also, interesting thing about that sketch the, is that the, the opening line is the funniest bit of it. Four candles, cracking joke. The rest of it, none of it makes any sense whatsoever. Um, this next story is an intriguing one, Kieran, I find, because it's, it's not an option for us at Sellers Park. But there are an increasing number of uh, football clubs across Europe who are trying to raise money by turning their ground into tourist attractions, Kieran. Yes, there are. And uh, it's proving to be um, very lucrative. Um, if, if you take a look at what's happening in Spain, um, the, the pictures in respect of the uh, new uh, Real Madrid stadium are absolutely stunning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Barcelona have similar aims and I think you've got to give a lot of credit to this to to Spurs Um, they have shown what can be done Um, you know I've I've been to the Pawson's Arms with you and uh, I've always made incredibly welcome and I absolutely understand why why you go there and you leave um, at just the right moment in time so that you spend the minimum amount of time in Selhurst Park itself. Now, I've got many friends who are Manchester United fans who are regulars, who take exactly the same approach. They they will they will go to the same pub because they can get a decent pipe. They the they, they, the toilets work. They're not there's not a leak in the roof at the pub, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know the, that that area of Manchester is is not a wealthy area, but at least they that they look after their their patrons appropriately. And therefore, they, they get to Old Trafford and they're in and out. Now, if you take a look at what's happened at Spurs, they've got wide concourses. Um, they're, the amount of money which they're generating from beer sales, I think, has gone up by a factor of eight, even though the capacity of the ground has less than doubled. Um, they're making £800,000 a match from, from catering alone. And they are also monetizing the, the stadium Um on non-match days through stadium tours through the you can you can do the walk over the ground itself um and for want of a better phrase this is the disneyfication of football and people you know, and here I'm, I'm genuinely not being cynical it, it's great because yeah you know, the more money that clubs can generate uh, means that the less pressure they can they're, they're under to increase seat, you know, ticket prices for us um, uh, and so on. It, it allows them to be more competitive as far as the transfer market, and, and also, you know, and we've we, we've praised those clubs that have committed to the real living wage. Well, that's because they got more money coming in. So, so, so fair play to them. Um, but this is becoming a big issue, um, and I'm, I'm going to try to uh, approach one of the the designers of the stadiums i think we, we've got we might have one or two contacts indirectly to say come on the show and just to show us you know all this magnificent work that you've done in in making football stadiums have a wow factor um so so this this i'd picked up i think from an article in in one of the newspapers but it um it, it is it is staggering what football grounds can become and whilst yeah we 
it's not ultimately it's not our problem. I think this is the biggest issue in Sir Jim Ratcliffe's injury. Should he take control of Manchester United as a club because Old Trafford's not fit for purpose as a 21st century stadium? Mm-hmm. And this is one of the biggest clubs in the world. It's, I, I should point out, Kieran, uh, technically at the Porsons Arms, there is uh, a giant leak in the roof because we always sit outside, <clears throat> whatever the weather. <laughs> It rather baffles Bevan Graham, who run the place, but we always sit outside. Um, I, I would love to, much as I love being in the pub, if, if there were more things going on at Sellers Park and Sellers Park was fit for purpose, I would happily go there. Um, forty-five. I'd happily spend an hour in the pub and 45 minutes at Sellers Park. But there's nothing to do apart from stand shoulder to shoulder uh, and anxiously wait for a beer before kickoff. So you you, you don't bother. And it's, I'd, I think it was Man City Huddersfield. FA Cup game when uh, our friend Pat Nevin. It takes a lot to cheer Pat Nevin up, but he was he was delighted because at Man City he said there was all sorts of things going on. At half time they had this thing in, in the lookalike competition where the cameras were scouring the crowd to to find Man City fans who looked like managers or CV stars, and it's all very funny and very easy to get a drink and very easy to get a coffee. So if that were the case at more grounds, then you 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 would happily go there. That's the, but then the downside to that is that the local economy suffers because if we're all in the ground drinking, we're not in the pubs and cafes. I think if you're attracting more people on non-match days, then the local economy can benefit as fair, well. Yeah, fair point. Very fair point. Uh, our penultimate story, Kieran, is about Manchester City, and I'm I'm bemused. I know it's my default situation on this uh, pod, Kieran, but I'm actually slightly bemused by this this story of injunctions and Manchester City. Yeah, this is a bizarre one. Uh, I think Manchester City now have uh, an official beer partner. um, And I think it's a Japanese beer called Ashoka Super Dry Beer. And that, to me, means it's a beer called Ashoka, which is... Now, I don't know anything about alcohol, as we know, as we both know very well. Um, Beer, to me looks wet rather than dry but but I don't <laughs> understand you know people talk to me about dry wine and sweet wine and it goes it goes it goes over my head and they explain it to me just like I explain amortization to you and I'm equally none the wiser as you are none the wiser on amortization so you know it's one of the okay it just doesn't make sense um but there is a clothing company called super dry who's saying well people might get confused and I'm going well, how on earth? You know, people know super. In fact, if anything, you'd think that they they would benefit. So it could be that they're going to try to get uh, some form of injunction to say that uh, Manchester City's Super Dry partner has nothing to do with Super Dry, even though I would think it would take a uh, an Egypt to, to believe <laughs> otherwise. But when there are opportunities for our silver-tongued Indeed. friends to. Uh, send off an injunction, they will quite happily do so. So yeah, it's a uh, it, it's it's a crazy one, absolutely crazy one. You know, you know, just as I say to people that between us, you and I have one hundred and thirty thousand followers on Twitter. Um, between us, you and I know enough about alcohol. Like, essentially, you're, <laughs> yes. you're doing all the heavy lifting. And amortisation. And, and, exactly, yeah. You're doing all the heavy lifting when it comes to Twitter followers. And I'm happy to do the heavy lifting when it comes to the the alcohol. The, the final story, Kieran, is, a, is a, a brief one. It's a brief good news story. 
Um, and I'm pleased to say that it's uh, it's my club uh, doing something right for once. Yes, it is. And hat doffed to uh, to the powers that be at Palace. Um, I, I think it's fair to say your match at home to Everton wasn't uh, oh wasn't my, a page turner oh if my, it was a book. Oh my god. Uh, if it was a book that would have been in a, that would have been at Oxfam after 5 minutes if that was a book. That was an Oxfam <laughs> Oxfam wouldn't have wanted it. Oxfam would have put it on there with all the damn brown books that we don't want either. That was a dreadful game. So so there is a replay. Um and and the cynic in me wondered whether the Premier League had said to both clubs Put on an absolute ship show, boys, because we're trying to persuade people to abolish <laughs> third round replays. Indeed, yeah. But I'm not a cynic. Yeah. Um, so, so there is a replay. It's going to take place at Goodison. Um, it's going to be midweek, and I, th- I think those those Palace fans who are uh, who are contemplate going up again, you know, let, let's set rivalries aside. Fair play to you for doing that. Um, but the club has by all accounts said, look, we're going to put on free transport as as, uh, as an acknowledgement of your commitment to Palace. And well done. Yeah, this is coming from Brighton. Fan. Well done, the, the decision makers at Palace in respect of that, as I say. Yeah, it, <clears throat> providing free coach travel for fans who are travelling up. And they will travel up in their numbers, as always. It, it just made me laugh that, again, it's, it's met with the response from some Palace fans going, this is a lovely, kind, generous gesture. More Palace fans going. I'd rather you spent the money on players. That 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 four hundred quid you're spending on coaches. I'd rather you spent that on put that towards Eddie Nketiah. Because you know clubs can't do right for doing wrong, can they? They try and make a generous gesture, no, no. and there will still be somebody probably in the Paulson's arms going, "I'm not having this. Doing something nice. Let's turn this into a negative." So that's what we love about football fans. Uh, thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, it'd be very kind of you. and It'll get you access to our chat community and our regular quizzes. And you can do that by going to patreon.com slash price of football. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, on our regular Monday questions pod, you can do that by emailing us at questions at priceoffootball.com and going to priceoffootball.com. We'll get you the opportunity to buy one of our books or get yourself a Price of Football, a T-shirt. So, again, as I say, we'll be back on Monday with questions. In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, it's going to be a slightly different uh, customary farewell. Um, we are very fortunate to have our our list of secret chums mm. who, um, you know, as, as, the, as the show has... Uh, uh, has progressed. Mm. Um, you know, we've built up relationships with people from a variety of backgrounds, um, and and this goes out to one of our secret silver tongue friends. Um, on the on the third of January, um, his his wife was admitted to to hospital. Um, she they they've been expecting their, their first their first kids, and um, things had things were not were not great. So. Um, there were two two young girls were born at uh, at ten o'clock um, by C section, and um, one of them is weighs six hundred and fifty grams at right. birth. Wow. Now just think about that wow. six hundred and fifty. That's a pound and a half. Uh, the other the other girl was seven hundred and twenty five. Um, they're in intensive care. They're they're fighting. They're being given the best care in the world. But I just want to to shout out to our secret lawyer. Um, 
lots of love from yeah. myself and Kevin and everybody on the yeah. show. And uh, we, you know, we 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 thank you for all that you've done for us, and we just hope everything progresses on behalf of you. Yeah, of course. I didn't know that was coming up, Kieran, but we we send our thoughts and prayers, of course, we want, and um, we'll send our thanks and prayers to all those people um, who are battling to save those little babies' lives. So that's uh, well, yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. The price of football. Bye, son, for the